It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This is where the Low Country starts the day informed. Because I like to know what went on overnight when I was sleeping. Traffic and weather on the fives. The news you need to know and a perspective you can't find anywhere else. This is the Kelly Golden Show on 94.3 WSC. All right, coming up on a big fail Friday edition of the show, your calls, 843-721-TALK, 721-8255. Let let a little steam out of the uh, steam pot there (laughs) ahead of the weekend. Any big fails of the week so you can get out there and let it all off your chest and then enjoy your weekend. Uh, Coming up, speaking of enjoying things... The Kentucky Derby. We'll talk about it with Bill Zimfer, our national correspondent here on 94.3 WSE. Uh, I would be remiss if we're talking about things to celebrate if I didn't remind you that Mother's Day is coming up next Sunday. You know, this is that time where I continue to remind you so you're not the big fail this Mother's Day. And let me just say, I just looked, G-Man, put a video up when we unboxed um, recently for, it was like Administrative Professional Day something, we unboxed our Sherry's Bear Holy cow. How big was it? Uh, the video's been seen. I just put it up over 100 times. Right. But I'm I'm actually trying to... Ex- uh, it's very difficult. Sometimes it's really the visual. Mm-hmm. I was showing people in the videos up um, at... Oh, gosh. If you're following me on uh, on Instagram or Twitter, um, it's uh, all you have to do is go to 943wsc.com slash Kelly, and you can get to all the places to stalk me on social. But the <laughs> berries are like basketball balls. Honestly, they were like potato size. You know, sometimes you can get the smaller sweet potato or or you'll get like a really large red potato. You yeah. know, the ones that you make the potato salad out of and you got to cut them up extra when you're making it. I'm talking just like the bread. Huge. These berries are huge. Uh, and, uh, and my mom doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be getting some of those mm. berries. Yeah, it's all about blooms and berries for my mom at Mother's Day. Uh, here's the thing. Go to berries.com. Use the promo code GOLDEN. So right there in the upper right-hand corner, click on the microphone, type in GOLDEN. It matters. When you go there, you get better deals just for listening here to 94.3 WSC uh, than everyone else that has that promo code. So go there. Berries.com. Use the promo code GOLDEN. You will make your mother, uh, any of the moms in your life, really happy. 
Um, and I double my berries. Uh, it's only 10 bucks more. I mean, you can stick with the 1999 batch for mom. She is going to bring a huge smile to her face. She is going to love all the shimmer sugar and the swizzle and all the that comes with those juicy big basketball size berries. I mean, smaller than basketballs, but they're huge. So $19.99, you can double the berries for just $10 more. But Mother's Day is coming up on May 12th. That's Sunday next week. So I mean, we're already heading for this weekend. So that's you're going to blink and and then all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So let berries.com handle it. Use the promo code GOLDEN. Uh, the freshness is guaranteed. Your delivery date is guaranteed. All of those things matter to me. Uh, so uh, that's m- more than enough reason to head to berries.com and use the promo code GOLDEN there. $19.99. That is uh, at best 20 bucks I'd ever spend to bring a smile to my mom's face. And to be honest, as soon as she unboxes the berries... You're going to wish, if you're there, you'll be, you'll see, you'll wish you'd double those berries for just 10 bucks more. So go there, do that. Berries.com. Use the promo code GOLDEN. All right. How many of you are going to be sipping on mint juleps enjoying the Kentucky Derby this weekend? Yes. The 145th Kentucky Derby goes to uh, post Saturday after some major developments on the field this week. Our national correspondent. Wait, hold on. Bill Zipfer, is that a... Is, is that a mint julep in your hand? This is really incredible, Kelly. The 145th running of the Kentucky Derby held consistently since 1875. Ooh. Just incredible. And it seems like over the years that it has become more and more popular, not only as a sporting event, but as a social event. I mean, the fashion and uh, the, the traditional mint juleps. Catch this. There will be 120,000 mint juleps served uh, in the next two days at uh, Churchill Downs. Uh, <laughs> it has, of course, become part of the tradition there. As for the race itself, uh, this year we have 20 horses in the field, and things took an interesting turn this week when the favorite, uh, the, the horse that many had considered the really a prohibitive favorite here, Omaha Beach, mm-hmm. was scratched <gasps> because of a problem in its throat. It will have to have a procedure done. It'll be okay, but oh. we'll miss all of the Triple Crown races. So that kind of opens up this field to begin with, and you add everything together, and it this should be a very entertaining race to watch. And, of course, this is, the, for many of us, the only horse racing event we even watch all year long as uh, the Kentucky Derby goes to the post tomorrow evening. A uh, couple of factors that make this so wide open. Number one, the favorite is out. So you start looking at other horses. Number two, this is the first time any of these three-year-olds have run a mile and a quarter. So wow. uh, that's why you see a lot of them fading down the stretch. They've never run this distance before, even though they've been training now for this. And number three, it is supposed to rain and uh, at Churchill Downs. So a sloppy track could make a whole nother angle on this as we try to pick a winner. Wow, big fail Friday on that. All right, well, let's hope it doesn't become a muddy mess. But here's the thing. I always get into those odd horse names. Got any to run down for us? Yeah, uh, the, ever since the the favorite was scratched, and now the overall favorite is a horse by the name of Game Winner, uh, trained by the famous trainer Bob Baffert, uh, was undefeated as a two-year-old and has already earned almost $2 million in its uh, short career. So Game Winner has been uh, listed as the early favorite 
favorite here. Another is uh, Roadster, which will start off right next to game winner at the 17 hole. Uh, Bob Baffert also training that horse. So uh, he has a couple here that are high up on the odds. Uh, if you want to look at horses that are mutters, ones that have run before on sloppy conditions, check out the number one horse, uh, War of Will, uh, mm. going off at about 20 to 1, but uh, one on a sloppy track at Churchill Downs earlier in its career, and uh, and the three horse, by my standards, won the Louisiana Derby and came in second on a sloppy chap, uh, track at Churchill Downs. So there's a couple of mutters for you. Uh, as, for, as for names, you know, there's not too much that's weird this year. You've got uh, a, a, a horse coming in from Japan that's interesting. Not a strange name, but just the fact that it's all the way in from Japan. Yeah. Master Fencer is uh, is one to keep an eye on because you don't know a whole lot about this horse. It's going to go off at about 50 to 1. Uh, you have Gray Magician starting from the uh, four hole. And maybe the most ironic name of all, at the number five slot, Improbable, which is probable to finish in the money. Uh, that is going off at about 5 to 1, but has performed on the sloppy track before. So if it's raining, improbable becomes probable. probable. Yeah, I like War of Will. I think that's what I'm going to pick them by name. <laughs> the rest I don't care. Uh, mutters. All right, so my number one mutter on the sloppy track is going to be War of Will. We'll see how that turns There's out. There's one me. called Cutting Humor. I'll go with that one. I think they should name a horse also Glue Gun. No, oh. that's terrible. G-Man <laughs> on a big It'll make the horse run faster. On 94.3 WSC. Kelly Golden, getting you to work on time with traffic every 10 minutes on the fives. On the low Country's news station, 94.3 WSC. I talked about on a big fail Friday earlier in the week um, that the speakers, I didn't see any Republican lawmakers um, speaking, and you know, I don't think they were invited by the NEA-led Red for Ed rally um, that happened. So a lot of people, you know, the underlying theme of this rally was, um, you know, you know, pushed and put on and organized by the Net, you know, National Education Association, which is a labor union. And, you know, for people to say, well, Kelly, how do you know that they're left-leaning? Well, Add up, add up the dollars from like 1989 to the 2014 election cycles, What the numbers that I could find. The NEA spent $92 million on political campaign contributions. The percentage that went to Democrats, you ready for this? 97%. So follow the money. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. Uh, but let's talk about that. Uh, Representative uh, Con Chellis actually took over Katie's seat, Katie Arrington's seat out of Dorchester County, um, because they're pushing teachers at the end of the day are pushing for help. And it should be a nonpartisan issue. Unfortunately, um, when we're talking about unions, I mean, they're always leaning left. And Dem the Republicans got to do better at stepping up um, and taking some, uh, getting a message out there to say, hey, we care about fixing public education. We have some really good ideas. So good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing great. So you met with teachers. You know, want to make sure you get credit for that, because I feel like Republicans at the GOP, they just don't get a lot of credit on their efforts to dig into fixing education and issues instead of, you know, letting Democrats act like they own the field. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, no, we had a good little meeting. We uh, actually got some pizza, and um, we had about a dozen teachers come up to my office. Uh, couldn't host more than that for space purposes, but uh, but yeah, we had a great time meeting, and, um, you know, I, I was excited, actually, that they were up there. I, I you know, to your point, I have to give the Democrats credit, because, you know, that bill went through the House, and um 
passed, I, I want to say, 117 to four. So it was uh, bipartisan legislation. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they, you know, they were out there on the front steps, uh, making it out like, uh, you know, they they uh, they were all for the teachers and the, you know, kind of joining the joining the buzz that that, that this was a bad bill. Um, so it's kind of kind of interesting dynamic. But uh, hats off to them for playing uh, <laughs> a bad playing bill the they voted card. on. Yeah, I yeah, got it. Right. Yeah. Well, so how does do you do you think Representative Chellis the GOP successfully get involved if big unions like the NEA, who they're the reason why they had the rally, continue to only open their arms to Democrat lawmakers? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a tough question. I, I think, you know, doing things like we did, um, and I wasn't the only legislator that, that met with teachers, uh, you know, fortunately the press picked it up a little bit, but, um, you know, interacting more and, and understand, I mean, the, the, the smaller group settings is where the, the, the real information gets conveyed. Um, you know, I, I learned, you know, I've met with dozens and dozens of teachers before, and I, and I again, learned a lot more uh, meeting with the small group that I did. Well, let's talk about that. What the, What is it about the bill that they don't like? Because, you know, some of the things I hear teachers are saying, you know, stop lowering the bar so that we can get more teachers. Instead, let's raise it and raise our pay. <laughs> so make right. It a more enticing field so that we're attracting the best of the best and keeping them. You know, that's the challenge of, of, of our position right now is, you know, our, our, our first responsibility as Republicans and as, uh, you know, as, as stewards and representatives is to be fiscally responsible. So, you know, obviously we don't have an unlimited well to pull from. So trying to marry that with, with you know, increasing funding for teachers and pay raises and things like that are, are you know, uh, you know, the challenge. But, you know, I think to, to answer your question with what they do and don't like about the bill, you know, uh, a lot of what they don't like about the bill is misinformation. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a lot of optics, um, you know, that I think we certainly could have and should continue to do a better job of getting the correct information out there because um, there are some good aspects of the bill that I think are just presented in a bad format or bad language. And, um, you know, I'm certain the Senate is going to make radical change to the bill. They're going to clean up some language. Um, So I'm interested really to see what they bring back to the table um, in terms of of what they do with the bill um, Mm. and where we go from here. But, um, you know, some of the the big sticking points were, uh, you know, obviously – one of the biggest things is decrease class sizes, you know, which, you know, I don't think there's a person in the room in Columbia that doesn't understand that, that decrease, decreasing class size would, would certainly be a silver bullet to make, you know, fixing a lot of our issues. Um, you know, but the challenge with that is right now is we don't have the teachers and, and we're losing them because we don't have an attractive teaching profession right now. Um, we can't attract them. We can't, we can't retain them. Uh, a lot of that is pay. A lot of that is uh, job morale. So, you know, those are some of the things in the bill we're trying to address. I think the teacher pay will get to a level that, uh, you know, everybody's going to be happy with. It's not, it's just like anything. You can't do it when you're trying to take this big of a bite of the apple. You can't do it in one one, you know, one swoop, but we are trying to do it financially over the next couple of years to get them to the national average, which I think will match, you know, that 10% they're looking for. So State Representative Conchellis, you represent an area, Dorchester District 2, um, you know, one of the two low country um, t- districts to close down yesterday. And they've said it over and over. We're next to last when it comes to state funding. Um, what are you going to do to help change that? Certainly the area you represent. Yeah, well, and, and that was actually a subject, certainly, that came up in our discussion. Yeah. Uh, I'm all 
also, you know, so I, 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 I was kind of part of a double-edged sword this year with, with as a freshman legislator. I, I was on the Education Committee, and I'm also on the Tax Reform Committee, um, which marry very well in terms of, uh, of how they link up for funding. Um, but, you know, in, in my first year, it was certainly uh, jumping right into the fire, too, um, with this bill coming on the table. But, um, you know, in, in terms of tax reform, I think, the you know, everybody understands that, that 388 is is hurting a lot of areas. Um, a, a place like Dorchester District, too, is, um, you know, we're the poster child for it. We're getting slammed with, with being, quite frankly, what we are as a bedroom community. So, um, you know, when you're relying on taxes of businesses and secondary residents to float uh, to float your income stream, uh, we just don't have it. And, um, and you know, but we, we have great people. We have a great school system, and people want to come to Somerville and live there because of our schools, and we're making the best of what we can of a bad situation. But 388's got to change. Um, the, you know, we're slowly addressing that on tax reform. Uh, we kind of look at it like a three-legged stool. So we've... We, we, we've put in a bill uh, to reduce income tax, we've put in a bill to reduce sales tax and to expand it, um, to reduce a lot of the exemptions, well, really to get rid of all the exemptions to a degree. Um, you know, and so the next part of that three-legged stool is, is property tax, which we've all kind of uh, put our hands in our pockets and stared at the ground because everybody's been terrified of what to do with it, but everybody <laughs> knows. Um, you know, Arthur Laffer, uh, yes. some of the listeners may, you know, know that name mm-hmm. uh world-renowned economist he was right. on reagan administration he came and spoke to our tax committee and i point blank asked him i said and i told him the same thing i just told you look we're all terrified of this property tax situation because we don't know what to do with it um what do we do and he said you just you gotta you you've got to make radical change you can't you can't dip your toe in the water with it and you got to go to a low flat property tax across the board and um and so that you know, and I looked around the room, there's about 15 or 20 of us in there, and we're all shaking our heads yes. Um, so, you know, the understanding is there, uh, you know, but the the reality of it is there's another 140, 160 people that were in that room that we've got to convince that we've got to do something with this Act 388. Do you think it's too late to see any movement or change this session when it comes to all the demands you heard? Because I know it's all about Santee Cooper instead at this point. I think there's a... a it's not unreasonable to say we may end up uh, coming back over the summer at some point. To, um, you know, and, and I think with the appetite from the governor and the speaker and uh, the Senate president that we are, um, you know, they, if the Senate can get something done on their end, um, it'll give us reason to come mm. back. But like you said, we're running out of time. Yeah. So we'll see what and, happens. And when, considering the Senate, that's a big if. And I will say it sounds like the governor kind of came around on this week's teacher rally at the Capitol. Um, it is on a big fail Friday. I got to point out that I did invite the state superintendent of education post rally on the program. She needs to be heard because the perception is that she's ignoring their teachers' legitimate concerns, and that's not okay. I mean, especially if she wants to keep her job, she's got to speak up and change that perception. State Representative Conchellis, appreciate you joining us this morning. He mentioned Art Laffer, one of the co authors of the Fair Tax Bill. Uh, he, along with the president's advisor, Stephen Moore, in fact, is one of the co authors in fact, of the fair tax bill. We'll get back to the phones on a Big Fail Friday coming up. Whether it's local news, weather events, state news, or national news, Kelly Golden is your trusted voice. You're listening to The Kelly Golden Show on the Low Country's news station, 94.3 WSC. 
right. Oh, Cuomo at it again. The NRA's goal is to sell more guns. And they don't care if they sell them to legal owners or uh, um, illegal owners. They want to sell more guns. What a big fail this Friday, Reese. I wish the uh, NRA did sell guns. Boy, that, that'd be nice. They could actually fund it, and I don't have to pay all my dues. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that statement, those statements couldn't be more outrageous and a fail and just complete lies. Yes. Well, you know, these people don't deal in fa- Well, I have to take that back. I, I would say they don't deal in facts, but they sometimes accidentally do. Like on uh, MSNBC the other night where they were doing a story on Venezuela, and um, one of the reporters who I'm sure today is looking for a new job Uh-oh. actually said, you know, when the government has all the guns, what are the people going to do? Oh, and no! <laughs> You just made the point of the Second Amendment for us, and you just made the point against socialism, so killed two birds with one stone. So it's kind of a win and a fail. Ding! That's right. So next time you have one of your liberal friends that are anti-gun and pro-socialism, and they only listen to MSNBC and CNN, you can actually pull up that clip and show it to them. Wow. is what the Second Amendment is all about. A big fail Friday. You got any big plans this weekend? Uh, well, I, I got to work again tonight, so <laughs> not really. But I would have a mint julep if I can on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Hey, and I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Would that make Saturday the real Mutter's Day? Mutter's Day. <laughs> now, if you miss the top of the hour with Bill Zimfer, it's going to be muddy, it looks like, for the Kentucky Derby. So he was calling all the horses who do well running in the mud, Mutters. <laughs> Mutter's Day. <laughs> Hello, Mutter. Hello, Fodder. Got to have some equal rights there. Got to have some fodders, too. That's right. Oh, Chewie's gone. Reese, before I... uh, Are you a big Star Wars fan? I just looked over my shoulder before we hit traffic and weather here. I saw that. I Mm. saw that. Oh, man. Well, it just makes makes the... uh, you know, it's sad. I mean, he had a good career. I, I don't think that's the only thing he did because of his size as an actor. He did some other things. Uh, but it just makes that uh, the video of the mom with the chewy mask in the car that was just laughing or behind us yeah. even that much better. Oh, yeah. So rest in peace, Chewy. <laughs> The actor behind the Star Wars character Chewbacca has died. Peter Mayhew passed away April 30th. The family sharing a statement on Twitter. In part, it reads, The Star Wars family meant so much more to him than a role in a film. (laughs) Chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger, tweeting, Peter was larger than life in so many ways. Rest in peace. Actor Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker in the series, taking to Twitter with a montage of pictures, captioning it, I'm a better man for just having known him. Peter Mayhew was 74 years old. The Kelly Golden Show on a big fail Friday. 94.3 WSC, the Low Country's news station. Najee, man, I got something better because tomorrow is May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Chewbacca. R2D2. Princess Leia. May the 4th be with you. Obi-Wan Kenobi. The 4th will be with you. Always. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so tomorrow, of course, the yes. fourth, May the 4th be with you on Saturday. Hurricane Expo, Lowe's Home Improvement there on James Island. You and Jax will be there. We sure will. We're going to get everyone prepared for the upcoming hurricane season starting Ooh, on June 1st. I don't want to even talk about I it. I know. I know. That's our job, though. <sighs> Have you seen the cartoon of Princess Leia getting Chewbacca, meeting him at the... Oh my gosh, it tugged the heartstrings. Really? I haven't seen it yet. It's on my Facebook page and I'll put it on our. Well, I can't really share that because it's copyrighted, but. Oh man, yeah. (laughs) Thanks for going, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, All right, the Hurricane Expo 9 to 1. G Man will be there with Jax. Um, If you you just heard him there making his little. It's not not really his his debut. debut, No, he's been on before, but yeah, we'll have lots of information, lots of vendors out there at the Lowe's on James Allen. So come on by and say, hey, I'll have one of our station vehicles playing some music and giving lots of information with lots of vendors around town. Very cool. All right. Team coverage of traffic and weather coming up. By the way, uh, before the break, we heard um, it was the, oh, Kerry Sanders, I think it was his name from MSNBC, um, Reese said, oh, man, you got to check out the audio. And he sent it to us. Um, I, I grabbed it here in the break so we could listen to, because it's not so often that you hear uh, MSNBC, so clearly left-leaning MSNBC, um, actually make the case for Second Amendment rights and against socialism. I'm talking about Venezuela here, and you've got uh, you've got the anchor saying, "Well, it's taking a lot longer than the president and the U.S. administration was thinking." The despite, despite the pressure, with the help of Russia and other outside forces, Maduro is hanging on. He's hanging not on. only hanging on, but he appears to still control the military. You have to understand in Venezuela, gun ownership is not something that is open to everybody. So if the military have the guns, they have the power. And as long as Nicolas Maduro controls the military, he controls the country. And what- and his supporters have tried to peacefully protest. They have gathered in large numbers. What we saw today when he met early this morning and stood there in front of those wearing uniforms appear to be rank-and-file members who may have switched their allegiance. We have seen over the recent months those who have switched their allegiance, but not en masse. We have not seen large numbers of the troops in Venezuela switching their allegiance from Nicolas Maduro to Juan Guaido. Boom! There is a case to be made why uh, socialism does not work. What our founding fathers understood when they created the Second Amendment. (laughs) Team coverage of traffic and weather at 745. It's a big fail Friday edition of the show. What say you? It's 721-TALK. That's 843-721-8255. She's your trusted voice. You're listening to The Kelly Golden Show on the Low Country's news station, 943 W. Listen, the ongoing collusion delusion remains on my big fail Friday list. How sad it is for us to see the top law enforcement officer in our country misrepresenting, withholding the truth from the Congress of the United States. I really lost sleep last night after watching over and over again the testimony of the Attorney General of the United States. Nobody is above the law, not the President of the United States and not the Attorney General. The Attorney General of the United States of America was not telling the truth what? to the Congress of the United States. Okay, these, That's a crime. Okay, stop, lady. These accusations are baseless. They're reckless, Nancy Pelosi, and they're false. And then we have the uh, charade parade, you know, this un 
It's just ridiculous. I want to say unbelievable, but at this point, it's not. What's the deal with the Democrats bringing the bucket of chicken to the bar? Chicken bar should have shown up today and answered questions. A t- attorney general who's picked for his legal acumen and his abilities would not be fearful of any other attorneys questioning him for 30 minutes. This man was picked to be Roy Cohn and to be Donald Trump's fixer. The Black Sox look clean compared to this team. It's a sad day in America. <laughs> I'm sorry, was he... Can you pass me a bottle of a cumin? <laughs> is, is, is he talking about a spice, or was he trying to say acumen there? All right, so, oh boy, where do we even begin, Michael Bauer? I think we should begin, what do you think, G-Man, with the chicken song? <laughs> yes! This is literally what they have devolved into the Democrats in the House. It's just... Such a joke that's not funny on a big fail Friday. Yeah, uh, the the plan was initially that the House would have their hearing the second day of testimony from Bill Barr as he volunteered his time to come and speak about the Mueller report. Uh, however, what happened was you had uh, Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, decide that he and, and the House voted on it technically, although uh, it would sound as though it was pushed through, uh, voted on having an additional hour of testimony on the back end of their traditional testimony, which is every elected member gets five minutes of questioning. Once that was all done, they were asked adding an hour to the back end that would have a lawyer representing Democrats and a lawyer representing Republicans asking questions of the attorney general in more detailed fashion. Well, the attorney general did not feel that that was a good move and uh, opted to not show because of Jerry Nadler's vote and getting that lawyer, um, the concept of lawyers in play. So he didn't show up yesterday. You saw Jerry Nadler address uh, a committee that was an empty room uh, that didn't have, it had a, a, a table card, a name card for the honorable attorney general, William Barr, but no bar there. Uh, and then later on, you saw some senators uh, trying to have fun with this, or some representatives trying to have fun with this by putting a statue of a chicken right behind the name card, uh, having a bucket of KFC in there, trying to indicate that they felt that the attorney general was acting chicken by not showing up to the House Judiciary hearing. And, and that's just uh, unbelievable. So that said, uh, he didn't show up, and now you're seeing Nancy Pelosi escalate her attacks yesterday uh, on the Democratic side, indicating that the attorney general had committed a crime by lying to Congress. Uh, she said that if anybody else had done that, they would have been considered a crime, so nobody's above the law. She went on her whole tear about that well, element Hillary of things. Right. Uh, when asked if Barr should go to jail, she said that's where she stopped. And it, Well, there's a process involved here, and the committee will act upon how we will proceed. So uh, there's a number of different things that are going on behind the scenes here, not the least of which seem to be that on some level Jerry Nadler is trying to negotiate uh, with folks the Department of Justice to try to bring William Barr back on some level. Um, don't know if that's going to be successful or if there's too much water under that bridge right now, uh, but that's an attempt that's being made at this time. And it looks like if they are unable to negotiate anything, then there will be on some level, at least the threat right now of a subpoena issued for Barr, and then that puts you in a much tougher situation, and that's something that you could legitimately, if he turns down the subpoena part, then you could follow up with um, some form of contempt charges. But these are all processes that the Democrats have been throwing out what they think they want to do, what they expect to do. And for those people who feel like they were shot down by the attorney general yesterday, uh, these seems to be the, the defense mechanisms they're throwing it's out. It's glorious. And, you know, bless you. Bless Nancy's heart. You know, she's right. No one is above the 
law, including her pal, Queen Clinton. And you got to love that Barr has no problems actually going after uh, the rules and laws that she broke. So stay tuned for that. I mean, what really could they actually enforce here, Michael Bauer? Seemingly right now, little, because it mm-hmm. wasn't, this was a voluntary move by the Attorney General to, to, to come and speak here, Kelly. So it's not like they had been charges against or, or had a subpoena already authored for. But there's also this sort of cross-pollination going on, because at the same time that this was all happening, we know that as of the 1st of May, there had been a subpoena going forward for the Department of Justice to turn over an unredacted copy of the Mueller report to Democrats in the House. Now, the Department of Justice did not do that and said they would not do that. So now you've got the Democrats acting on that as a possibility of uh, contempt for the Department of Justice for not turning that over. That might be something that's coming up. So there's this kind of gray area and a cross-pollination of what's going on here. Technically, in regards to the attorney general, if you don't have a subpoena, you're not ordering him to come and speak Mm -hmm. with you, and then he turns it down. There's no way that you can issue a contempt charge or have him arrested or any of that. So it would seem as though that's the next element that they would have to move forward with, and that would also indicate that if issued a subpoena, Barr would have to come testify. If he chose not to, then you can move forward with those kinds of charges. Right now, there's not much that they can do other than the strong-worded or, uh, if you want to look at yesterday, Days of press coverage, the voluminous, the amount of individuals that all wanted to have their camera time talking about how Bill Barr messed them all up in the schedule and they wanted to hear Full testimony amazing. and what their line of questioning would be. It's just strongly worded slap on the wrist. We did hear, after Nancy Pelosi made her comments yesterday, we did hear from the Department of Justice uh, saying that they felt that um, in regards to what Nancy Pelosi had said, uh, that this was a bad move on behalf of Democrats and that uh, they felt that this was an attack that was baseless and that it was an irresponsible and false movement on behalf of Nancy Pelosi. So what you are seeing now, though, are Democrats are starting to try to work a back alley conversation with Mueller. They're trying to avoid the Department of Justice. They're trying to avoid the attorney general in lining up any discussion with Robert Mueller. And they've taken to reaching out to Robert Mueller directly to have conversation. Apparently, the way this works is you have to go through the Department of Justice to get access to him as an employee and for some reason, at least it would appear at this point, they feel there's been a blockade uh, in having the ability to have a conversation with Robert Mueller. So well, now they're please. using a back-ended method to try to speak <laughs> to Mueller directly and try to avoid any interaction with the Department of Justice. I heard, uh, what did you say? Dark alley, back-ended. Yep, sounds like Democrats. You, The DOJ's made it very clear when they said reckless attack, baseless, false. It, it's over Nancy Pelosi. He had 19 lawyers. He had $25 million. He interviewed five 500 people. He issued 2,000 subpoenas. He had a plenty of opportunity without interference. The president gave him a million and a half documents. Everybody around the president and on the president's campaign testified voluntarily. And here's what we know. There was no conspiracy between the Trump campaign and the Russians at all. Stop wasting our time. Team coverage to traffic and weather coming up. I appreciate very much what Mr. Mueller did for the country. I have read most of the report. For me, it is over. Trump is a idiot. He's unable to provide a coherent answer. Sorry to the kids out there. He couldn't decide about obstruction. You did. Is that correct? That's right. You feel good about your decision? Absolutely. 
Do you share my concerns about the FISA warrant process? Yes. Do you share my concerns about the counterintelligence investigation, how it was opened and why it was opened? Yes. That was the Kelly Golden Show podcast. Catch her show live weekday morning 6 to 9 on 94.3 WSC.